we have grown up in a more masculine dominant society and approach to life. And so most people, women especially, are looking for this very defined, finite, particular thing that preferably is their career, that they can say, this is my purpose and this is my thing. It's actually very scary and unhealthy to look at it that way because you're essentially pigeonholing yourself to only be one thing. Men are much more linear and much more structured. And so it's much more natural for them to have that focus. Whereas women trying to do that, no wonder they feel lost because they're trying to fit themselves into a hole that's not the right shape for them. And so if someone asks me, like, what's my purpose? I'm like, your purpose is to be yourself. And that requires being able to tune into your essence and use your emotions and your feelings as the language that your body and soul is using to tell you things. Your lifelong passions, dreams, and aspirations, your joys and creative spurs, your femininity, your success, all in one place. This is Girl Skill with your host, Anna Rova. Hi, ladies. So before I let you listen to another awesome episode on Girl Skill Podcast, I want to share with you some very, very exciting news. Something that I've been working on for the last couple of weeks. Well, actually, in fact, for the last couple of years. <laughs> and this is a video training, a one hour, actually 75 minute video training that is called The Lie of Female Success and How It's Keeping You Stuck, Unfulfilled and Draining, Redefining Femininity Work and Play with Anna Rova, aka me. You can sign up for this training at www.girlskill.com slash webinar. Again, it's girlskill.com slash webinar. And this is really my life's work, so to say. What you will hear in this training is actually everything that I've discovered through my own personal journey, as well as reading tons of books and going through courses and, and ju just really being on a quest to define what femininity is together with masculinity and a lot of things, what are the problems we're dealing with and how we as women can redefine our version of success and how we honestly live in a lie of female success. And this is not only my personal experience, but also the experience of many women I've worked with who went through my trainings and thousands of thousands of discussions that I have with women all over the world, as well as men. As you know, I've interviewed men as well. So what you learn in this training, again, you can go to girlskill.com slash webinar. Here's the things you'll learn. The modern female epidemic that's keeping women confined, unhappy and fulfilled and unfulfilled. Where the journey to success actually begins and how did we all get here? The essential forgotten element to any woman's successful life. The secret to attracting, sustaining and magnifying the relationship that you want. The true power and definition of femininity and masculinity. And the number one reason for feeling numb, stuck in your head and sexually asleep. And really... In these six things that I mentioned, I will share with you, and this encompasses everything I know, how I went from being numb, disconnected, anxious, constantly in this hurry and trying to do it all to actually being deeply connected to myself as a woman, understanding what true femininity is, embracing my feminine cycle, being more relaxed and joyful, traveling the world, rediscovering my own version of success and doing something that I love, understanding men and rediscovering men and attracting a creative and amazing relationship with my husband and ultimately, you know, creating a family. And I believe truly that the result of this work has brought me to where I am today in my relationship, in my marriage, and also in getting pregnant, <laughs> reconnecting to my body, Cultivating a sense of awareness and pleasure and feeling more 
without apologizing for it, making decisions from the heart, starting to do less, feeling alive and radiant. And finally, realizing that femininity is great power that is deeply misunderstood by the world and women themselves. So if this resonates with you, girlfriend, go to girlskill.com slash webinar, sign up for the webinar, and I can't wait for you to watch it. Hello, girlfriends, and welcome to another awesome episode of Girl Skill Podcast, as usual. Today, I bring you an amazing woman that I just had a transformational conversation with. Before I tell you about Vienda Maria, my amazing guest, I want to read out a review that we got on iTunes. And I'm very grateful for every single review that I get. So thank you so much to everyone who's already given us a five-star rating. And we have more than 105 five-star rating reviews on the podcast. So today, I want to say thank you to Kimberly H0505, who's left a review on iTunes. Here's what she says. She says, I was lost and now I see. Life-changing podcast. Came across this podcast today for the first time and I feel it already changing my life. I have shared already with multiple people. Thank you, Kimberly. Uh, You've definitely charged your karmic energy. Learning so much more about finding myself and all of the resources to help me to do it. Thank you so much, Anna and guests, for all you do for women. You are all an inspiration. Thank you, Kimberly. This has been amazing to read. And please message me on Instagram or send me an email so I can thank you in person. And if you're a listener and you appreciate all the conversations we have, I would very much love if you go to iTunes to ratings and reviews and please leave us a rating and a review and I'll read it on the show. All right. So today we talked to Vienna. Maria, who is an amazing woman. When I was doing her research, I knew we we're going to have a great conversation because I could feel it through her writing, through her poetry, through everything she does. Actually, Claire Baker, who has been my guest, and I've stalked her for a long time, and she's episode 108, where we talked about the power of our menstrual cycles and how we can change our lives with menstrual cycles. She recommended that I talk to Vienda Maria. And so here we are. So basically, Oh my goodness, what do we talk about? We talk about so many different things. You know, we talk about astrology and the cosmic language and how Vienda interprets astrology. We talked about men and money and how this whole thing about how do we reprogram ourselves and actually do business and work with money in a very feminine way. I love the systems that Vienda has created and how she's actually doing a course called Affluent, teaching women how to create money and and do business in a feminine way, which is very, very important. And how do we do that? Where also we are together with a masculine partner who is the protector and the provider. And I share a little bit about my philosophy on this. So I, I think you'll find it very interesting. We talk about poetry and Vienda reads us one of her favorite poems about love. We talk about the idea of kismet, which is basically fate or how Vienda calls it synchronistic occurrence in the world and the universe. We talk about how you can be a conscious co-creator of your life and that relates also to manifestation and magnetism. Vienda actually shares with us a step-by-step approach that she teaches her mentoring clients and women she works with in terms of how to be clear on what you want and how to ask for what you want, but also draw it into your life. And also we talk about purpose and that maybe purpose is not this linear thing that you know, we as women should be put in or looking for, but actually that that's an idea that the purpose is actually coming back to your true self and discovering your essence, which is very much in line with what I believe in. And stay until the end, of course, to find out one pretty awesome guy to to follow on Instagram who talks about love and also two books that both me and Vienda really love and admire. 
That's pretty much it. All right. Enjoy this episode and I'll see you at the end. Girl skill. Female success. Redefined. So, Girl Skill listeners, today I'm delighted to welcome Vienda Maria on the show all the way from Mexico. Hi, Vienda. Welcome to Girl Skill. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited as well. I've just been telling you how I, you know, when I find a woman like you, I'm like, oh, this is going to be juicy. This is going to be good on so many different levels. So let's begin. Vienda, what is your superpower? Oh, adaptability. I'm really good at adapting and I feel very fluid in my life. It's definitely one of my strengths. Mm, Love it. What is a book that you plan on reading? That I plan on reading? Actually, I want to read A Company of One by Paul Jarvis, which is about running a one-person business. I love Paul Jarvis. I'm actually sharing quite a few of his articles. I haven't read the book yet, but it's on my list. I love this idea. Yeah, me too. I think we can change the world like this. Absolutely. All right. What is the one thing that you can't live without? Sleep and water. Can I have two things? I'm obsessed with sleeping, actually. And I get like a weird anxiety if I don't have water around. So like those are my two things. Mm, Love it. And what was the last thing you've Googled? Flights from Los Angeles to Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Who is one person dead or alive that you'd love to have dinner with? That's a tricky one for me. You know who I would love to have a conversation with or dinner with? Elizabeth Gilbert. I think she's so eloquent and she has such an interesting, thoughtful way of seeing the world and processing the life experience. It would be amazing to speak with her over dinner. Oh, absolutely. I think like everybody loves Elizabeth. Well, most of the people starting from her books and then into her life journey. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, moving on. What is the wildest thing you've ever done? <laughs> I'm Uh-oh. like, what should I, what should I share? <laughs> uh, you should share the wildest thing you've ever done. <laughs> the wildest thing I've ever done. I mean, I've done lots of really ridiculous things, but probably one of the, maybe it's not so much wild, but kind of scary things that happened to me once. A few years ago, I was traveling to Honduras and we were at the Guatemalan border, about to go to Honduras. And for some reason, we were just in time for the very last bus that was going to Honduras City, the big city. And the big city is known to be very dangerous, especially to young women. And I was with a girlfriend, so I wasn't alone. But we got on this last bus, looked around, and it was just us two girls and 40 men who'd just been, that had just been imported back to Honduras from a prison in Mexico. And the testosterone and the excitement and everything on that bus was terrifying and halfway into the city the bus breaks down and in the meantime like every single one of those men has asked us to come home with them oh god and we're like oh god like how can we get ourselves into a more uncomfortable position than this and then there was this young guy also a young Honduran guy who'd come from the Mexican prison. And these are all guys who went to Mexico to get jobs because there, there were no jobs in Honduras and then got caught and, and put away. And he was like, I'm going to tell these guys that you're my cousin and I'm going to look after you and get you to where you need to go. And he did. And, and so like all these minibuses came and basically still moving. We had to jump into this minibus with him to get into the city and then away from these guys. It was like one of those really weird, wild, crazy times where you don't really have much control, but you just have to go with the flow and you're terrified at the same time. 
And you have to trust that it's going to work. Yeah, you have to trust. And that guy, he was so sweet. I think he was homeless, actually, because in the end, my girlfriend and I got a hotel room and he asked if he could stay with us. And he literally, like, there was three beds in that room and he literally pushed his bed up against the door of the hotel room to protect us and slept, like, fully dressed, didn't even get changed or anything. And then left the next morning. I was like, wow, that was, he was a guiding angel, but it was also really weird. You know, I've experienced situations like this and I have rebuilt my faith in men through these experiences. And it's really interesting how the same kind of spectrum of the male species, when you have some sort of a predator, so to say, you, not almost, I would say almost always, but a lot of the times you would have someone who would stand up for, for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've had definitely these experiences where men would help me or men. And I think you find it very often to, to be honest, because there's the noble part of men, you know, stands up and said, this is not okay. Or they sense that there's danger and that protector, the provider in them stands up and said, I'm going to protect this woman, you know, and I don't need anything else from her. And then this is how we build our faith in men. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, to be honest, I've been incredibly fortunate in my life, but I've been taken care of and protected and really taken care of by men who are strangers so often in my life. I find it hard to believe the narrative that there are so many predators out there. Like sometimes I experience that like, yeah, there are quite a lot of predators, but like in reality, I'm always safe. Have you identified why? Because I keep asking myself this question I and mean, I've identified the reason why, like I don't get and perhaps never got into situations like this. What's your take on this? Do you see a difference between you, let's say, and other women who get into situations like this? Or what's, what's your kind of conclusion? Have you thought about this? I have thought about it a little bit. I think a huge part of it has to do with self-worth, like the kind of energy that you hold. When you honor yourself, others will honor you. And then next to that, also this incredible trust in life that I will always be taken care of. It's an unfailing belief that I have. Yeah, my, my, my understanding, I mean, I'm sure listeners perhaps are curious and I wonder what you think, Vienda. I've realized that something similar to what you're saying in terms of worth, because I think just in the animal kingdom, you know, the, the predator seeks its prey and it feels the victim, so to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's seeking weaknesses. Yeah, exactly. And so these men are very careful and they know exactly who to go for. And they know visually and and perhaps even, you know, in their bodies, they can feel when a woman is in the victim mindset. And, you know, this is a very sensitive subject. So I don't want to say, oh, you know, like whatever happened to And sometimes I'd like to add to that. Sometimes that victim mindset is not a conscious choice. It's a Programming, so to say, yeah. Yes, exactly. Conditioning or programming that's so subconscious and subtle that they don't realize that they're in it. As you're saying, it's not about blame. It's about bringing awareness and healing those aspects of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Another uh, kind of a deeper question for you, more serious, Vienda. What is your biggest fear? I've been thinking about that a lot the last couple of days, (laughs) which is kind of funny. I really, I like working with astrology and we have the Scorpio new moon tomorrow. And Scorpio is all about bringing the shadow parts to the surface and I'm feeling it very strongly. And so one of my highest values is freedom. And so one of my biggest fears is having that freedom taken away. And 
It's so interesting because the fear for me is around relationships. Like, because I've had that experience in the past where I'd get into a relationship with a lovely person, but then their idea of how life is supposed to go is so constricting to me that I feel a loss of freedom. Yeah, I'm facing some stuff around that at the moment. I'm really having to look at it and work through it and and process it with the intention to clear it, to release it and let go. But yeah, that's my big thing at the moment. I've definitely dealt with it. So you mean like losing the freedom, your your personal kind of sovereignty in the relationship and letting yourself go or actually physically being constrained by a relationship? Both, both, yeah, both. So like physically being like, okay, now like we're having a baby, now you have to stay here and you can't do the things you want to do. But also like you have an obligation to this relationship and you need to compromise yourself and your creative aspirations for that relationship to support the man to be there and to be a good woman. And it's old programming that comes from my grandmothers because my grandmothers raised me and like there's this really old traditional patterning that's coming with it. But like, it's yeah, it's hitting me hard right now. <laughs> yeah, wow. What a journey. Yeah, I know so many of us are dealing with it. And I, I don't know, you know, for me, like my highest value is freedom as well. And that's why I think I so much connected to everything you put out there. But at the same time, like when I got pregnant and even even being in the in the relationship constraint, so to say, and I talked to Carmina Bercera, can't remember what episode number that was, but it was really interesting how we talked about on the podcast, how the relationship provides the container, but then you're free within that container. And that gives you the space and the, the freedom to flow within those boundaries, which are protective. And so I don't know, like, yeah, I didn't feel like I, I found freedom within what I have now, you know, in the sense that, and even like, I, I have to write an article about this, where having a baby and having a family in a way is even more freeing than, than I was before. Because it's not about me anymore, you know, and it's so much more than me. Like stepping into motherhood has completely expanded all of my edges of who I am. So it's not only me. So in that sense, it's very much liberating that I know that like I'm expanding in so many different directions and I still have a choice and I'm so much more fulfilled in all of that. So I don't know, just, just shared my perspective on that. <laughs> I'm really glad you did. Also, because when I work through this and I feel into it, because I'm, when I'm processing it, I'm also looking for the expansion, like where's the growth here? What I feel, and I know this from other parts of my life. So for example, I used to think that in order to be free, I had to have no structure. And then I learned how to bring structure into my life in a really healthy way. And I felt more free. And then I was like, okay, so in a relationship, it would work for me if the container is wide enough that I can explore, but I also feel safe. And then I'm even more free. I just haven't experienced that yet. Mm, I see. Yeah. And I know that you, on other podcasts, you talk about freedom not being necessarily a structure or a lifestyle, but it's actually a choice, which I love, which goes back to, you know, Nelson's Mandela experience, for example, in prison or in people experiencing terrible life situations, but still being free within themselves on how they think about where they are or how they experience life. So that's really interesting. All right. Awesome. Well, I got to ask you about astrology, Vienda, because I asked women about their astrological sign. And I have to be honest, I have to admit, I got my um, astrology map. Is that how it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Or like a natal chart, whatever. And I think it was like about a year ago. But I'm still quite skeptical about this, especially like I'm going to share with my baby. I had a due date 
I mean, it was like Christmas day and she was supposed to be a Capricorn. And then I got induced about 10 days before. And then I realized, and actually I had control over when she will be born in that sense. And I also could predict like, you know, when we would conceive and things like that. Then I realized that, you know what, this astrology thing, it's not really like I, as a mother, I could control to some extent, of course, not everything, but I could predict and control when would she be born into what sign. And then I was like, you know what, this astrology thing, I, I think it's a bunch of bullshit, really. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. And I know you have your own astrologist and I don't want to say that, you know, like, how are you dealing with this bullshit? But I'm just curious about your thoughts because you seem to be so connected to these energies and, and, retrogrades and now you mentioned the Scorpio. So I'm just curious, what's your experience with it? Well, my relationship with astrology is that it provides a really beautiful cosmic language with which we A, feel connected to something bigger than just the human experience that we're part of something larger like the universe. And B, that it it poses these moments of self-reflection and connection where we can look at ourselves and see how we're being impacted by our external environment, which is essentially like also about connection. I love astrology. I think it's just such a wonderful way to take ourselves out of the picture, out of being the center of the universe and realize that there's so many other things going on that impact us and also that we're all in this journey together. And so we're all being impacted in similar ways at similar times, but the way we respond to those things is really different. I understand that. I understand that you might be um, skeptical. A skeptic. Yeah. I don't think it's about, well, for me, it's not about like believing or not believing. It's about having a language with which you can explore the uh, understanding of life and our place in it in a different way. It's something similar to, I guess, tarot cards. You know, I have a tarot deck and I mean, you know, there's no scientific route to anything, but I loved the description of the tarot cards are like, what do they represent to you? How do you, and everybody would, I guess, interpret an astrological you know, what is it, prediction or whatever is happening in their own different way, like what applies to each one of us while being connected at the same time. So see, it still appeals to me, but I'm just the birth of my daughter. You're like, this doesn't make sense mathematically. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Rationally, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, I, my husband is a very rational man who doesn't believe in any of the tarot cards and astrology and everything. He keeps me on my toe, but I'm still connected to it. I think there's a lot of power into it in the way you describe that. It's a language that I guess helps, especially I think we women tend to look for signs or explanations or connection, especially, you know, to the universe and to each other that, that perhaps is also a playful way to reconnect with our senses and spirituality and, and, um, Oh, that's what I understand. All right, Vienda, before you introduce yourself, I'd actually love to finish this segment with some poetry of yours. So I know that you write poems and I don't know, are they poems or are they like, I just feel like when I read them, they're like different. So first tell me, how do you, because you post them on Instagram so beautifully and they're short. Some of them are short. Some of them are a bit longer. But how does that come to you? And it's it's not necessarily like, so I don't see much of the rhyme in there, like in a classical poetry tradition, you know, there's no rhyme in there, but they're just thoughts. And I recently, and when I see someone writing poetry or being fond of poetry, I know that they have uh, a deep 
wondering and, and a soulful way of going through life. Because I think poetry is something that, first of all, we connect to perhaps later in, in life when we've matured enough and, and we know that language has power and all this. So tell me, how does this come to you and when did it all start? And then, of course, please read for us one of your favorite poems. <laughs> I'd love to. I mean, I've been writing since I could hold a pen. So writing has always been a tremendously powerful practice for me and a way of making sense of the world and self-expression. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm feeling until I start writing about it. And then I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. And a lot of the, as you say, poetry, non-conventional poetry that I write, it often feels like streams of consciousness that come through me. I wouldn't take ownership of it. It's more that you know, I'm processing something, an experience, a thought or a feeling or an observation, and I sit down and I feel compelled to write about it and some words stream out and then I try to make sense of them and then I share them on Instagram. Okay. It's that simple, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. So for listeners, I highly suggest that you go to Vienda's Instagram. It's Vienda Maria and you'll see her here. And you have these different signs. So when you post them on Instagram, you have like a little little circle and then it's a little rainbow and then it's a little, I don't even know. Like half circle or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like what is that all about? When I started doing it, there wasn't a conscious thing. I looked at it and I was like, I want some symbols that represent this opening that I hope happens when people read these words, like an opening in their heart or in their soul or like even in their consciousness. And so those symbols are the best rep representation that I could find that would give a visual idea of that sensation. So I was hoping that along with the words and the symbols, well, people would feel touched essentially. But it wasn't, I wasn't like a particularly strategic thing. It was more like, how can I make this feel the way I want it to feel? Mm, beautiful. Yeah, it's very intuitive. I love it. All right. So now we're ready for one of your favorite poems. Okay. I love writing about love because it's one of my obsessions. In fact, my astrologist says that I'm enamoros en amor. So like in love with love, basically. <laughs> so I'm going to read one of the lover ones. It goes like this. When you meet someone... And they take your breath away and you take their breath away and you both stand there, mute but thrilled to be beside each other. Mm. Wow, that was short. I'm it's like, a short one. Is more coming? <laughs> no, that was it. Oh, it's a short I love one. It. Thank you. Thank you. What was it? Enamorada en amor? Sí. Hablas español, sí? Mm-hmm. Yo hablo un poco, pero ¿Sí? no ahora. And that's, sí. and, and that's, and that's all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all. All right. So, Vienda, please now introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, my name is Vienda. I am a women's empowerment mentor, a writer, and a creative. I have a background in psychology and have been running this online personal development brand for about six years now. From all around the world, I've been lucky enough to create a lifestyle around my work that really aligns with my soul and the way that I like to show up in the world. And I mostly work with women, hence being called a women's empowerment mentor. I work with women, often women who have been through some kind of trauma in their childhood and that's impacting their present lives as adults. And we move through that with a variation of 
I would, I would say actually a combination of like talk therapy, spiritual practices, psychological or, and analytical tools, and then, and then manifestation practices as well. So like calling things in, asking, setting intentions, and really becoming a really conscious co-creator of your life instead of a reactive or responsive being that feels, who feels like life is just happening to them. Love it. Vienda, do you find yourself successful and why? I do find myself successful. I mean, obviously if success is on our own terms, we get to define what that is. But for me, success is having space, time, and being financially abundant all at the same time. So having financial prosperity as well as plenty of space and time because most of us have a social conditioning that tells us that in order to be successful, we have to sacrifice our time for money. And so I've worked for several years to change that patterning and conditioning within myself in order to create a different result. And I know that you shared, was it this month or last month, that it was your most, uh, it was the highest revenue month that you've ever had in your business? Mm -hmm. It was last month, was the highest month I've ever had in my business. It was fantastic. That's awesome. Congratulations. So I know this is a huge subject and you're actually coming up with a course around abundance and money. But I would say, looking back, what do you think has been the biggest transformation? Like what has changed in you that brought you to the point where you actually, you know, live the life that you want to live and have transformed your relationship with money? And hence, you know, last month was one of the biggest months or the biggest month that you've ever had. Mm -hmm. It was definitely looking at the inherited conditioning from my family that told me that A, as a woman, I wasn't responsible for my money and B, that I had to play small because I, I was a woman and C, that having money would come at a cost of things that I value, like freedom, like time, like space. And so it was really about looking at the belief systems that I had been brought up with. So it wasn't a con, these weren't consciously, these weren't things I was consciously thinking, but they were built into me almost at a cellular level, like most of us, that I had to look at, bring to the surface, clear and replace with a completely different way of, first of all, thinking, and then secondly, behaving. You have to integrate all of those changes in a really physical, fundamental, practical way in order to experience the results of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to circle back into that because I think this is a really interesting point. What you mentioned about as a woman, I wasn't responsible for my money. First, I'm going to ask you about femininity and then how does that come together for you? Because I feel like that is the, the holy grain, so to say, of being a woman today, being independent, you know, fierce and doing whatever the hell you want to do, but still attracting the men that I assume that, you know, I've, I've read a little bit about what men you're attracted to. And that, that to me is an image of a masculine man. So very curious about how you've come to terms to all of that. But let's see. First, uh, Sofienda, what is femininity for you? Femininity is a way of showing up and interacting with the world, essentially. So we're all, we all have a feminine and masculine balance, let's say, within each of us. And some of us might feel like we have a stronger connection to the feminine. Some of us might feel like we have a stronger connection to the masculine. But what we all need to do is create this harmony between the two sides. And so for me, femininity is 
about learning to be in that space of receivership, of being receptive, of, of allowing things to move through us, of not having to control things, of really trusting that life will align. And it's, it's a way of being, essentially. That's the best way I can describe it. Beautiful. The programming that you talked about, you know, what has changed, you said, you know, there was a deeply ingrained belief that, and can I ask, what's your background in terms of? Um... I'm half Austrian, half Italian. And I was raised for at least the first like six to seven years of my life by my Austrian grandmother and also my Italian grandmother. I kind of was between the two. So I was instilled with these quite old fashioned traditional belief systems because that's the best they knew. That's what they, how they saw the world and understood it. I remember my Austrian grandmother was like, this is your life plan. When you're 21, you're going to get a job as a secretary at a nice big firm and you're going to marry your boss and live happily ever after. And I was like, thank you for my <laughs> wonderful life plan. <laughs> wow. Okay. So tell me, how did you, because this idea, I feel like this belief, a lot of, a lot of women grew up with this. In fact, you know, I didn't grow up with this belief in terms of as a woman, I wasn't responsible for my money and livelihood. And there's a big reason for it. So my mother passed away when I was really young. I was eight years old. My sister was 12 and we were in an Eastern European country, post-Soviet uh, communist country, where women were seen exactly as equals. And so I think that, you know, my work might be refreshing for some because I didn't have that narrative. And in fact, my father brought us pretty much as boys. He told us, you're on your own when you're 18. And then that's it. And I never, ever grew up with an idea or never seen women you know, being like inferior to men or whatever, like never in my mind. And thus, I think I never experienced because it's, it was all in my belief. Like I never saw myself as less and thus in life. I actually didn't, I wasn't in situations that where I thought I was less, you know, and that hasn't necessarily impacted me. Now I had a lot of other different damaging or limiting beliefs around money and everything. That's a different story. But I want to ask you, what conclusions have you come to, you know, like reframing this belief that as, as a woman, I'm not responsible for my money or, you know, I have to depend on a man, reframing that, taking responsibility, creating the life that you want, but still staying in that feminine structure. And then I guess it also relates to the relationship that you want. So I'm curious, in your relationship, have you thought of polarity? Are you saying that like the men that you want to attract in your life or, you know, that you might currently have, or do you want to rely on a man in that sense? Do you see him as, you know, a masculine role in your relationship? Does, does that make sense? Because it, it still relates to that belief of like me as a woman, how is that relationship as a feminine woman uh, connected to your relationship with money and abundance, but still kind of trusting the world, trusting your man? I hear you. And it's, it's, it feels like a, a bit of a paradox because it's so different to how we understand masculine and feminine. So I would say the difference as a woman making money and being responsible for her money is that two different things. So first of all, being responsible with my money means I'm just organized with it and that I spend it wisely and I take care of it. And, and I do it in a nurturing feminine way. Like I have bank accounts with all different savings accounts with like cute names that make me feel good. Oh my God, I love it. What are the names? Like one of them's called Home Sweet Home. One of them's called Self Love Forever. And one <laughs> of the ones called Future Me. And like, so I, you know, like I have created a system 
that allows me to take care and be responsible with my money that is very, very sweet and feminine and works with me. Instead of, so what I used to do was completely ignore money, not want to know what was happening with it, ignore my bank accounts, be terrified of looking at my bank accounts, felt sick every time I had to spend a large sum of money because I had such a crappy relationship with it. And so I changed that completely turned it on its head. And now like, I look at my accounts every day and I have this really beautiful relationship with money and I thank money when it comes in and I thank money when it goes out and I have affirmations and mantras like there's always more where that came from and thank you for supporting me and nourishing me and taking care of me. So like those, I don't think men do that. <laughs> yeah, no, like men standard. don't have accounts that are called uh, my future <laughs> self-love and yeah. uh, <laughs> exactly. things like that. So like... Honoring money. And then the other thing, the way that I make money, I do not hustle. I do not sell myself. I do not sell my soul. I show up and I give, which is a very feminine thing to do. I give value. I give support. I'm generous with my time and energy. I'm generous with my creativity. And I allow the money to flow in. And I'm in receivership for it rather than hustling for it. And that's the huge difference between masculine and feminine because men are meant to be hunters. That's their innate masculine trait. Whereas women are meant to be receivers. We allow things to come to us. And that allows you to attract a masculine man in your relationship. And would you see him as the provider? And uh, so how do you come together with a man who is a hunter in that reality? I tend to attract very masculine men. I think because I'm by nature quite feminine. And so we're always, I feel like in any kind of dynamic, we're always trying to find or create a balance. And so it makes sense to me that more masculine men are attracted to more feminine women because they also require that kind of balance to come into their life for their own kind of harmony in their environment. And, but, and the reverse is true as well for someone like me. And then the way that I see it is that men create the container and then women fill that container. And in terms of making money, my experience so far has been that we share finances equally, but who pays for what changes? Mm. So maybe the man pays for like the more practical things like the rent and the bills. And then the woman pays for like nice things or holidays or special treats like They end up investing the same amount, but who pays for what is different. Really interesting. Can I share my viewpoint on this? (laughs) Oh, I'd love to hear your viewpoint. (laughs) Because I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, and like going through my research and courses and obviously coaching women. And I think what you mean by balance is what I call polarity in the sense that you're absolutely right. And that's what I actually teach and coach women. If you're a feminine essence woman, you will attract by default a masculine man. If you're a masculine, well, you could be a feminine essence woman, but acting predominantly in your masculine, and then you will be attracting feminine men just because this is how polarity always works. And it works in same same couples and stuff like that. So in your case, I think it's beautiful because <laughs> you've created a business in a way of working with abundance and, and money in a very feminine way, which is amazing. And I love like your courses coming up. And if you're teaching that to women, I I find that's incredible because there is a way to do it in that. Now, when you come with a man, in my experience, and I think the difference is that, you know, now, and for me, to be honest with you, this all has culminated through pregnancy. Mm, That's fascinating. 
yeah, a lot of women experience this because <laughs> when, when, when I feel pregnant and when women feel pregnant, we go back to this primal, instinctual, traditional role distribution because there's no other way, you know? Yeah, because it's, you can't. Yeah, exactly. And so when I was pregnant, I was like, this whole feminism thing is out of the freaking window because when you're in your first trimester, you can't work, you can't do anything, you're vomiting all over the place, there's a human in your body and pretty much for the next nine months, you're stuck. And for the next actually probably year and a half, you're stuck. And, and this or is, more. <laughs> yeah, or more, yeah, depending on the circumstance and choices and everything. This is nature's way of basically putting everything in its place. And so what I've realized then and now and through all of my research and how, what I came to conclusion in, in, in terms of money, so there is everything we could possibly do today and we live in beautiful times. But in my household, for example, how it works is that my husband is responsible for the provision and the survival of our family in the sense that because I am biologically programmed to create children in my womb, give birth, recover and everything, I can't be a train or a working horse, how I, how I call it, 100% of the time. And so he's responsible for the basic survival things, as in I can always depend, and this is kind of an agreement in our family, and I think naturally that also fulfills him in his masculine role, as in he brings home the bacon in terms of taking care of me, himself, and the baby, as in like we have enough to eat, food's on the table, you know, like clothes and Yeah, everything. it's almost like the survival aspect. He's got yeah. it covered. So that's all covered because for me, especially when I'm pregnant and especially when there's a baby, like I can't think about that stuff. I can't bring in a human in my body and then she's out and, and then also think about, oh my God, what am I going to eat tomorrow? Like it doesn't work like that. And then further going, you know, I, a feminine way of doing business is what you described. It has to give me pleasure. It has to give be joy. And the money that's all being made is just adding on top of whatever the basic things are and fundamental things. And then that could be spent on, you know, as you said, like vacation or on me, <laughs> you know, like beauty, travel, whatever I feel like would support my lifestyle and bring nurture and beauty into the household. And because how I feel is how the family feels. So that's how I would summarize this. How does that sit with you? It sits so well. And I'm so glad you say that because that's something, I don't have kids, but it's something in my future. And it's something that I think about, like how, what happens when I am pregnant and then recovering and taking care of the baby, like breastfeeding, when I can't show up the way that I do when I don't have other responsibilities? What happens? And so the, the dynamic has to change. and and the masculine or like the male partner in the family has to take on that role and has to want to take on that role. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's also very important is something that I learned and all the women listening, perhaps this would be helpful. I realized that it's so important to do this or to shift this dynamic or get into this dynamic before having kids. Because a lot of the times what happens is that when women, this is when like when having a baby, you know, they say the divorce rate, like soar up in the first year of the baby. And that's exactly because this dynamic shifts because the woman is like, well, wait a second, I have a baby here and then I have to work as well. Like, what the hell? Like, this yeah. is not equality, you know, all of that. Yeah, so this is not equality. Like, I get to do twice the work and you get to just like 
scoot along. No. Yeah, exactly. And then, so if we get into that place before even starting a family, having the babies and really this dynamic stays, then when we have a baby, then it just stays and things just flow in that sense. Like I remember we had a conversation with my husband and, you know, men would naturally see like the household income as a rational, they would intellectualize it. Like I remember having a conversation with my husband. He's like, well, why don't you go to work? Because I like quit my job while I was finding myself, which we'll get to in a second. And then we have a lot of thoughts about it. And then he's like, well, you know, in his mind, like he's doing the calculations as in, okay, if I work just me, then that's the amount I bring. If we work both together, we perhaps do double or, you know, a little bit less. And then we have more money and we can do more things, blah, blah. Which is, I think from a masculine perspective, that makes a lot of sense. But then I asked him the question, I'm like, how many children we want to have? Okay, maybe two, three. Okay, well then, you know, for the next five, six years, exactly. (laughs) For the next five, six years, you can forget about me bringing income pretty much. I mean, in the gross sense of the word, because I get pregnant, I carry the baby, I give birth, I take care. Who's going to, you know, I mean, obviously we can talk about parenting roles today because a lot of women say, oh, you know, men can do the same things that women. I personally don't believe in that. And I feel like I I read so many things, women saying it's not fair, blah, blah. I want to go back to work and all. And and I I value their perspective. But at the same time, like I asked one woman, I said, well, what do you think about men not being able to have this bond with children to be able to breastfeed, for example, to be able to give birth? Now, they might not want it. You know, they like look at this whole thing like, thanks God, I don't have to go through this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but still, I mean, breastfeeding a bit, like feeding for five months now, you know, she's she's been feeding from my body. And I don't understand how this could be the same thing as, oh my goodness, I get very passionate about this. Sorry, Vienda. I, I'm supposed to be interviewing I love that we're having this conversation because to me, it's so poignant to remember this, the, when you asked me what all my fear is, like this all feeds into the same story for me at the moment. Like it's been such a huge topic. So I feel like it's very kismet that we're having this conversation and you're sharing your story because it's actually exactly what I need to hear. I hope the listeners feel that way too. Yeah, perhaps, because as I said, so many women look at this as as like constraining, right? Like, oh my God, children are going to tie me down and I'm not going to be, you know, I see it as liberating, you know, like for the last five months, I've just been in awe in what I can do, like what my body, what my biology can do for myself, for my baby, for my family. Like it's truly been an expensive experience. And I personally, I think that's a much healthier way of looking at this rather than saying, oh my God, I can't go to work because I have a baby now and like whatever. To me, this is like, this is a freaking miracle. (laughs) I can do this as a woman, you know, it's very empowering for me, in fact. So yeah. Okay. Let's talk about your experience with working with women. And I know, you know, I've, I've actually messaged you before the interview. I said, oh my God, what should we talk about? Because on your blog, which is very interesting, I found you very authentic and you don't follow like this, you know, clickbaity headlines and things like that. And you just write about what you love and, and in your own way. And you're really following your path, which I absolutely adore. Let me ask you this real quick, because I want to talk about purpose and manifestation, what you found in women, what works, and maybe you can share some practical things with us. I noticed that you use one word that is very unusual in your writing and in your poetry, and it's kismet. And you use it as a noun, but you also use it as an adjective. 
So I'm wondering, what is this word kismet? What does it mean and what's your relationship to it and why are you using it in your writing? Kismet is like a synchronistic occurrence that happens without you expecting it or controlling it. And I like to see it as the universe working for you. So when things happen that are unexpected, but that work in your favor, or maybe not work in your favor, maybe they're lessons, but in the end, everything's working in your favor in my perspective. And so I work the way that I, the relationship that I have to life and to myself and my spiritual beliefs is that I create and allow space for kismet things to happen. Mm -hmm. So yes, please tell us more about that. (laughs) So in your experience with women, perhaps, because I know you do one-on-one mentoring, you about to launch your group programs and you do a lot of group things and you, as, as you call yourself, a, a women's empowerment mentor, what are the biggest challenges that you see women have and what, what tools do you use or, or basically what is the biggest shift that needs to happen for women to be co-creators or I guess co-creators with the universe in, in their kismet or like a destiny or, or a fate or how you call it, bringing things into your life is in manifestation, but I'd love to call it also magnetism. Yeah, magnetism is, is, I guess, a feminine side of manifestation. So tell us more about that. One of the biggest conversations that happened, especially at the beginning of my one-on-one or with my private clients when we first start working together, and in general, like on social media, I get this question so often or this sort of conversations often around, I feel lost. I feel so lost. What's my purpose in life? Like, what's my thing? And... I can really feed this back to the masculine and feminine thing. We have grown up in a more masculine dominant society and approach to life. And so most people, women especially, are looking for this very defined, finite, particular thing that preferably is their career, that they can say, this is my purpose and this is my thing. And It's actually very scary and unhealthy to look at it that way because you're essentially pigeonholing yourself to only be one thing when we all know that women, A, are incredibly paradoxical and multifaceted and dynamic and we cannot be pigeonholed and and men are much more linear and much more structured and so it's much more natural for them to have that focus. Whereas women trying to do that no wonder they feel lost because they're trying to fit themselves into a hole that's not the right shape for them. And so what we talk about a lot, a lot, a lot is learning who your authentic self really is. And that requires being able to tune into your essence and use your emotions and your feelings as the language that your body and soul is using to tell you things. And so instead of being like, oh my God, I'm so emotional, being like, well, but what are your emotions actually trying to tell you? Because they're constantly trying to guide you back to your truth and back to your authenticity. And so when if, if someone asks me, like, what's my purpose? I'm like, your purpose is to be yourself. And they're like, but that's not, like, that's not a defined thing. And I'm like, you can define it once you figure out who yourself is. Mm, very interesting. So first, so I, I agree with you. Like I also had this thing and I think Elizabeth Gilbert, actually, she has a really cool talk on, I think it was an Oprah's or something about a hummingbird. And the, but I, I don't think she talks about women specifically. She talks about people in general, but I think it applies so much more to women that the purpose in life is to, well, personally, you know, I would say to, is to experience life. 
and you can jump back and forth and you can change directions and you can, you know, work as a waitress two years and then switch and go into a circus. And then how much more fun and rich and adventurous is that rather than, well, I don't want to, you know, some women really are on a career path and everything. And that's great. You know, that has its own benefits, but I'm like, man, you know, there's so many opportunities out there. And I know Vienda, you are a true example of that, how you worked on music festivals and traveled around the world. And then you created all these amazing experiences. Like to me, that's amazing. And, and maybe, the, maybe the point is not to find your only one true thing and purpose. Maybe it's how, how, you, how you call it, having, I guess, multiple entries, experiencing these entries to, to ultimately realize or explore more of who you are. As, as a person. So having these experiences would cultivate, nourish, and maybe open up doors to back to our own self, as in who am I? Who, what is my truth? So how do we do that? <laughs> how do we get back to our essence and find out what is it? Do you have any, anything practical to share? Or? Mm, absolutely. There are two things that need to happen. One is we need to clear the old dogma, the old conditioning, because so many of us are guided, for lack of a better word, or being shaped to be in a particular way based on our belief systems and our conditioning and our social constructs of what we think we're supposed to be, which really gets in the way of being authentic. And I actually have a course on that. It's called Sovereign. And it's about clearing all of that those blocks whenever they come up. It's a really simple practice. And I send my clients to it all the time. So I don't have to keep explaining it because I'm like, okay, this is easy. But once you've got it, you've got it and you can use it for life. And then the second part, once you're in the practice of clearing out the old dogma, the, the things, the belief systems that are holding you to something that isn't truly who you are, is to start paying attention to, and this is not an intellectual practice, it's actually, and this is women, women are such sensual beings, we can do this so easily. It's about allowing ourselves to feel and be guided by how we feel. So when you feel curiosity, when you feel excitement, when you feel this spike, when you feel inspiration, when you feel this creative impulse rush through you, that's guiding you towards your next step. And so it's not about having a map and knowing exactly how you're going to get where you're going to get. It's about allowing yourself to be responsive to the moment-to-moment inspirations and feelings that are coming up for you and seeing where they take you and where they guide you. It makes me laugh so hard that people are often like, so what's your five-year plan and 10-year plan? And I'm like, dude, I don't even know what my three-month plan is. Like... I'm going to follow this internal compass that I have moment to moment. And I know it's constantly taking me exactly where I need to go. And I think the more people that, especially women, the more women that took on this practice, the more fulfilled and satisfied and confident and at ease with themselves, they would feel. Mm. I love this because it's such a feminine way of living life. You know, it's, you're right. You know, when I say we live in a masculine world and like blah, blah, what what this means is, and when I hear this, I get a cringe because it, it feels to me that we use this as in like, it shouldn't be this way. But at the same time- Well, I it's mean, out of balance, so- yeah, yeah, but at the same time, I understand why. You know, we live in a world that that is structured, that people are like, how do I do this? And blah, blah, you know. Uh, and men oftentimes are the one who are creating the structure for us to flow in that but you're right. It's like, we can't, 
a lot of the times as women, we can't label it. Like people are asking us very straightforward, direct questions. Well, what if I don't want to fit in this box? What if I don't know yet? You know, a lot of women I feel like are scared to say, I don't know yet. You know, like how does that feel in your body to say, I'm not sure, you know, like, or mm, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow and being okay with that. I feel like because we live in, I guess, um, energetically in a male dominated world, which to me actually makes sense because progress is very, or, you know, directional economy, business, whatever, whatever, obviously we can balance it in our own way. But what if I am good with this flow and paradox and, and, and be okay with it? So to me, that makes a lot of sense. So just to summarize, how do we get back to our truth as women, to our essence is number one, clearing the old dogma and conditioning, basically looking at what are the patterns that are showing up, I guess, in our own life? Where have we taken this on from our parents, from our society, from whatever that are keeping us stuck? And maybe looking at those limiting beliefs. I actually do the same work with women. <laughs> it just in a different way. So I do feminine embodiment, but that, and then number two, actually be guided by tuning back to your feelings and to your curiosity and, and following that. And then, and that exactly what happened in my life. You know, I just followed that and it's almost like a thread. I imagine it as a, as a ball of yarn and then you kind of untangle it one step at a time or one thread at a time. And ultimately that leads you to, when you follow your curiosity, it leads you to the, I guess, one of the destinations or like the first stop of your destination. That's perfect. Yeah. And basically I feel like it's really important to recognize that there is no arriving. Like it's all part of the journey and every choice you make is a stepping stone. And even if you followed something and didn't work out the way you wanted it to, it probably taught you something or gave you something that you needed for that next step. So really seeing like the vision that I have is, you know, a pond with those beautiful lily pads everywhere. And we step from lily pad to lily pad and it takes us to different places. But we don't have to put all our waste into that. It doesn't mean that this is forever or this is so meaningful because there's always going to be another lily pad that we need to step onto that's going to take us to that next life experience that we're meant to have. I love the lily, lily pad and the pond with that. Oh, that's beautiful. So I guess my we're going to finish up this conversation before we go, go into people and books you recommend with manifestation slash magnetism. So how do we draw? So once we, I guess, clear out the dogma and work with limiting beliefs, now we're exploring our essential truth, our essence and, and going there. How do we draw in what we want, essentially, like manifestation or magnetism? Do you have any sort of practices or maybe some practical things we, we could do or what you teach women? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Something that I notice when I work with my private clients in particular is that once they start shedding all of that old stuff and step into their authentic self, they automatically become more magnetic to the things that they want. So like, let's say that they've been thinking about following a particular career path or attracting a certain kind of man or whatever. And that seems to happen much more easily once they're more aligned with their authenticity than when they're so separate from it. Because I mean, energetically, it makes sense. Because when you're in alignment, there's nothing in the way or standing in the way between you and what's meant for you. Whereas when you're out of alignment and not truly who you are, everything's going to block that. And then on a really practical sense, there's a process that I teach women. And it's very simple. It's very easy. I use it on a day-to-day -day basis. 
So the first one is to just be really clear on what you want because the universe is a joker and she will she will play with us. If we're not clear, she will give us something that's like what we asked for but not quite right. So being really clear on what it is that you're calling in is really powerful practice and I think it's incredibly valuable for women especially because as women many of us have been taught not to want and not to ask for what we want and then once you're clear on what you want checking in as well to see if there's any blocks that are stopping you from being able to call that thing in so like are you in your alignment Uh, is what you're calling in actually coming from like a, a soul core desire or is it coming from an ego place like for me, for example, if I was like, I want a Ferrari, like that would be so, it wouldn't happen because it would be from not from my soul place because it's not in alignment. Whereas maybe for someone else, a Ferrari is in their soul alignment. So the third step then, and it's the third step is sort of a two-part step. One is to ask, so you're clear on what you want. You've made sure there isn't anything in the way or you've taken care of anything that's standing in the way, like limiting beliefs and so on. And then you ask for what you want. And as soon as you ask, you also completely surrender how this thing will come up and on what timeline. We always get everything we want, but not always on our timeline. And so when you ask for something, you also have to give it over to the universe and be like, I trust you 100% that you're going to give me exactly what I need, exactly when I need it. And I'm not going to try and control this. Mm -hmm, Beautiful. And I think another, well, another thing that I work with women here is perhaps what you want is not necessarily a very clear picture in terms of a physical thing or an event. So I'm curious what you think about this, Vienda. It's more the feeling that you want to have from that. So for example, I mean, let's say you really want that Ferrari because of whatever, but then you think about, you go one step further and deeper and say, well, you okay, having this Ferrari or the house or whatever, the money, what is the feeling that I'm going for? Perhaps it's you know, a level of fulfillment or a level of satisfaction for something or whatever. And then if you go for the feeling, then whatever you're going to get is going to represent that feeling to you. So it not, it not necessarily will appear in the way that physically you desire, but you'll get there if you follow that feeling of how you want to feel in the end. That's true. A hundred percent. I often ask people when they're calling things in to prime themselves with the feelings first before they get specific on the things. But the things can be fun as well. Yeah. Well, absolutely, for sure. (laughs) And so my last question here is, I think that a lot of women are also struggling with this. So you say, be clear on what you want, but a lot of the times we don't know what we want. So how do we actually get clear on what we want? Mm-hmm. And this is where the feeling practice, this is where I use the feeling practice. So maybe you don't know what you want specifically, but you know how you want to feel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So then you would say, so I don't know what I want, but then the question, okay, how do you want to feel? And then you will actually get there. So, And another practice, sorry to interrupt you. Another practice that I often use, especially with women who feel very unclear around what they want is to write all the things that they don't want. Because most people, for some reason, have trained their minds to think about all the things they don't want very vividly, but not the opposite of, of what they don't want and so, of what they do want. And so I get them to write down all the things they don't want and then go, okay, so what's the opposite of that? So because you can identify the feelings I get, if you, if you say, for example, oh, I want to feel free and light and joyful, and then you can work with that and say, well, how does that look like in your life? 
And then I guess from the feeling, you can actually imagine, you know, what things are surrounding you, what people are surrounding you and all of that. So that works. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Vienda. This is very helpful, I hope, for listeners and everyone. It's time for tools and resources on Girl Skill. So now we're going to wrap up with um, people and books that you'd recommend following or inspiring. So who are some of the people that you find inspiring and that you'd recommend either following or, you know, checking out or even reading? Oh, wow. I mean, I feel like I'm inspired by there's so many incredible, creative, fascinating people that I adore. I feel like it's hard to remember all of them. Actually, someone that I've really been appreciating lately is a guy called Mark Groves on Instagram who has an Instagram account called Create the Love. And it's almost like relationship coaching. It's essentially around love, not 100% romantic love, but mostly. And I love his approach. It's very pragmatic while also still being sensitive and in tune with feelings and emotional. And of I love that it comes from a man as well, which is unusual. So I'm really enjoying him. Who else am I enjoying lately? I feel like I go through phases. Like I'll be like, oh, this person's really inspiring me. And then like a few months later, I'll be like, okay, I feel like I've absorbed everything they can teach me. And then I'm onto the next. Actually, I'd love to share a book that really changed my perspective of life and women that I read. I think it was last year. It's called Vagina. And it's written by a Naomi Wolf. journalist. Yes, exactly. Right. And I really loved it because it also paralleled sort of this experience that I was having as I was leaving my last relationship. And this incredible creative emotive power that women hold within their bodies that's also connected to their to our sexuality. But that expands, you know, I love what you were saying earlier, if I'm good, my family's good. Like, or like how I'm feeling is how my family is feeling. My husband always says, happy wife, happy life. And um, yeah. indeed, that's <laughs> true. And women don't realize this, you know, it's like we hold the key to, because, you know, when we are unhappy and especially angry and everything, like everyone around us feels it, you know, we have such a reservoir of energy, of creative, nurturing energies in our bodies. So, when I walk into the room and things are wrong, everybody knows it. My children know it. And, and children, you know, are so intuitive. And I know we know this because we were children ourselves. And I know I knew exactly when my parents or even the people around me, I could feel into their fields. And so when I work with, I, I teach, like, it's so important that we take care of ourselves first. You know, we take care of our bodies. And that book, I actually didn't finish it because I think I got pregnant or something. I don't know. But for me, it was a revelation that even when she talks about orgasms, when she talks about how many nerve endings and the research is coming up now in the pelvic floor, how many like women, women orgasm differently. And all of this is like in the spine and the nerve system. And there's so many spots and like, it's, it's crazy. So that book is amazing. Thank you for recommending. (laughs) Are there any other books that you'd like to recommend? I'd love to recommend another one. I don't read many novels, but last summer I spent a month traveling around Eastern Europe with a girlfriend of mine. And I had this book that someone else had recommended to me and I, I just picked it up and didn't think much 
of it. It's called Atlas Shrugged. Oh my God. And That's my favorite, you, one of my favorite books. Yes, I love it. It's so good. And I, I think I tell every single person that I meet with <laughs> I'm like, you need to read this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's by Anne Rand, who's a, a bit controversial, you know. It's all about objectivism, but I absolutely love the book, and I very much in my own life. That's the philosophy. It's it's very it's about in pretty much individualism, right? Like, why did you love it? I loved it because it really I really resonated with that perspective of life and how important it is to come back to fundamentals, and also how there's so many people I personally use a derogatory term and call them zombies. There's so many zombies in the world who are just like suckers on the system instead of showing up fully. And this takes me back to this idea of purpose, like allow your soul to flourish, which is an act of giving back to the world rather than being like a leech. Mm-hmm. Or being a victim, or or being a victim, yeah, yeah. yeah. She actually, Anne Run has so Atlas Shrugged is a huge book, and I actually read it in college. You know, that was like seven years ago, and it has such a tremendous impact on me. I need to reread it. And there's there's very powerful male characters, and well, character specifically, and then um, a female character as well. But one of the 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 prequel, I guess, how you call it, is the Fountainhead. Have you read the Fountainhead? I've not read it. No, mm-hmm. I've only read Atlas Shrugged. Yeah, well, the Fountainhead is just a smaller version of Atlas Shrugged. So personally, I would also recommend reading that first and then seeing if you like. And then Atlas Shrugged is just such an... Oh, I, I absolutely love, love reading it. Awesome. Well, we're on the same page. We're reading the same books. <laughs> I told you, like, we're going to, uh, you know, have a great <laughs> conversation. Um, I can feel it in your posts and everything. So, Vienda, thank you so much. This has been incredible. Thank you for your time and your energy and your gift. So tell us, for everyone listening, if they want to know more about you, follow you on Instagram and check out your work, which I highly recommend. Where can they find you? The best place is probably to start with Instagram, which is at Leander Maria, my name. And then, I mean, I have like over 600 articles or blog posts on my website. If you ever feel like you want some insight on something, I might have probably written about it. And that again is my name, VeandaMaria.com. Awesome. And we're going to link to everything you mentioned in the show notes as well. So thank you so much, Vienda. I wish you a beautiful um, evening, I guess, in Mexico. And hopefully we'll meet in person one day. I'd love that. Thank you so much. All right, my ladies, hope you enjoyed this amazing episode with Vienda Maria. To get all the show notes and everything we talked about, the books and the people she recommends, as well as links to her website, you can go to girlskill.com 113, so 113. You can also share this episode with a girlfriend charge your karmic energy, give back <laughs> to the podcast and to the world by sharing girlskill.com slash 113 with a girlfriend who really needs to hear what we talked about or share it straight from your podcasting app as well. And a quick reminder that if you actually love the podcast and love the conversation that we have with Vienda, I have a special video training, which is about an hour. That's called The Lie of Female Success, where I teach you basically everything that I know, how we've been lied to as women, that we don't have the power and all this victim mindset and all of this. I talk about how, you know, all of the conditioning that's keeping us stuck, drained and unfulfilled and what we can do today from my own experience, from my own research. And that has already changed many, many women's lives. <laughs> so if you want to find out more, go to girlskill.com slash webinar, sign up for the webinar. And this is how you also get on an email list and my newsletter where I send you basically updates on weekly episodes and my
my writing and all of that. So that's girlskill.com slash webinar. All right, I'll see you next week. And I hope you're running with the wolves until then. All right, bye. Thank you for tuning in to Girl Skill. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher to never miss an episode. And never forget that your version of success is uniquely yours to live and experience. Until next time, let's continue redefining female success together. Girlskill.com. Female success redefined.